0: Engage, Quantum Drive. Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob, and Katie will be joining me in just a moment for today's episode. Shortly following the conclusion of season three, we had the pleasure of chatting with Mark Jackson, who plays Isaac on The Orville. We talked to Mark about performing in and out of costume, Isaac's emotional awakening, the effect Charlie will have on Isaac, and much more. Before we jump into the interview, just a reminder that you can support the production of this show by becoming a backer on Patreon. At the $5 level, you'll get instant access to over 25 hours of exclusive podcasts, including Mark's alternate one sentence reviews as well as new bonus content in the future. You can become a backer by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com/support. With that, here's our conversation with Mark Jackson. Hi guys. Hi, Hi how, how, are, how you? are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Great.
1: Good. I'm very excited to talk to you. <laughs> I love Isaac
0: Mark, we are very excited to talk to you. You have been, not to overhype this, but you've been our white whale since the beginning of the season. We're like, if we at least talk to Mark Jackson, then we know that we have succeeded in our mission for this season. So, Oh, awesome. What a lovely thing to say.
1: Yeah, it's actually happening. So I guess we should jump in. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you find out about the part of Isaac? And what was your thought process when you found out you were going to be playing in artificial intelligence?
2: Well... I was in London at the time, just being a, you know, theatre actor. I'd just finished doing War Horse in the West End, which was very fun. And I was suddenly twiddling my thumbs, figuring out what to do next. And this random audition came through to fly to LA and to work with Seth MacFarlane playing an alien. And I just thought, that this is mad. But I'm I mean, going to work really hard at all this audition and see what happens. And did the tape. And then, yeah, the next day, we'd heard that Seth had watched the tape and liked it, which was just completely bizarre. Fast forward through a few weeks of negotiations and uh, trying to get my visa in order, which was a bit hairy. Yeah, I arrived in LA, New Year's Day, 2017. And uh, yeah, a few days later, I was in, you know, getting into the suit and trying it out and figuring out how the hell I was going to play this character. And um, yeah, that's how it all kicked off, really.
1: Nice.
0: That's awesome. So you had the opportunity this season to spend a lot of time out of costume, more so than you had in prior seasons. Does it make it any more difficult to capture the essence of what Isaac is when you're not wearing the suit? Or have you done it long enough at this point where it's just kind of second nature?
2: Well, at the start of the whole thing, we didn't know that... I don't think Seth even knew that there'd be a human Isaac, that he'd be seen in his human form. And I remember when it first came about, I was talking to Seth about it, and he'd said that, obviously, I rehearse without the suit on. And what he'd been doing, if he was in a scene with me or whatever, he'd been watching what I was doing as me. And effectively, what you see with Human Isaac is what I'm doing under the suit. I have been all this time. I have to do that to project it through the suit, if that makes sense. So really, it was incredibly logical. It was a very smooth transition into Human Isaac. Because I was doing it already, basically.
1: I'm curious about how long it takes for you to get into costume. And have there been any wardrobe malfunctions ever?
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, it's one ongoing malfunction. The (laughs) (laughs) And you saw how many uh, Kalons were at the end. There's been a lot of Kalons in this show. And they need to bring in teams of extra wardrobe people to to attend all these Kalons. Because we got it down to about me. With Isaac, with my sort of amazing Ferrari racetrack team, we got it down to about six minutes, I think. Wow! Obviously, with season three, it was a whole different outfit, so that had a lot more moving parts. The thing is, in that six minutes, if circuitry breaks or lights go out, it can be anything up to like half an hour for it to be uh, to be sorted. And, you know, those suits were not popular with a lot of people often <laughs> throughout the last three seasons, but they look great, don't they? So
1: I am curious, too. Did you do a masterclass to teach the other people playing K-Lons how to emulate Isaac so you could all be uniform?
2: Yeah, we did K-Lon school uh, <laughs> on the bridge, in fact. Actually, it was quite fun. And so, yeah, we had the first time we had lots of Kalon on uh, come on. Uh, they hired a lot of dancers who obviously are very good at moving. And I had to teach. It's very weird to teach someone something that you've not been taught yourself. So you have you've sort of pulled it out of the miasma and uh, and just sort of invented it, I guess. And I had to sort of figure out what I was actually doing. You know, a lot of it is in the hands. A lot of it is in the walk, I guess. It's just there's a stillness about it, you know, and and a, a non roboticness about it i was trying to keep away from c3po and all of that so yeah it was quite fun to do that and then in season three i was like get some puppeteers because i've said this a few times but what i realized in season two is that when i'm in the suit i'm a puppeteer i'm not an actor and puppeteers actually really get the minutiae of a performance and so they're really good at getting in the suit I don't know if we did get any puppeteers, but I did ask them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I also really enjoyed watching you this season. And in the first episode, Isaac helped facilitate a very delicate discussion about suicide. And in general, the show tackles a lot of deep philosophical and moral issues. Have there been any episodes that have impacted you more than others? Or how do you feel about helping tell these stories?
2: Yeah, I mean, this season's been quite heavy hitters, hasn't it? You know, lots of big themes dealt with. I think... I've never been touched by suicide. I'm very lucky. So that episode was just a, an eye-opener for me, I guess. I think Topa's story was really moving for me. I think, you know, that's been a, a general response, hasn't it? Mm. But yeah, with, with her episode where she has gender reassignment surgery, I think it's really interesting. I, I just remember it happening when we were filming it and thinking, there are going to be people in decades' time who will... Remember watching that episode and say, that's when I saw who I was. I realized and I understood why I didn't feel happy. And I think that's amazing. I think that's, if you can do that with an entertaining television program, then you're onto something great.
0: Absolutely, We also saw a different side of Isaac this season. There's the episode where you were granted full emotion and you got to really emote, which was super fun to see. There is a theory, however, that even though Isaac lost his emotions, that on his own, he's been slowly evolving a form of emotion on his own that he just doesn't fully understand. Now, obviously, without confirming whether that theory is true or not, is there a way that you approach Isaac's behaviors as an actor?
2: I, yes. So he is, he's changing, isn't he? He is evolving. And I think that's because he is, he is reprogramming himself. This is my theory. And he's doing it not to be more human, which is a very data trait, isn't it, from Star Trek? He's literally built for humans, isn't he? Data, I think. Mm. And Isaac is not that. He's an alien, you know, and Isaac is going to stay himself, true to himself in that respect. But, He's not living on Kalon, surrounded by his own kind. He has to get on with the world around him. And to do that, he has to start, he has been slowly reprogramming himself to be, I guess, a better partner, a better father, a better, well, a a more efficient, I think that's probably the better word to use, Um, crew member, diplomat, comedian, the list goes on really. But yeah, and I think what happens when he reprograms himself is that there might be glitches now and again that he Mm. can't control, which brings about a sort of weird form of natural evolution, I guess. It's when things go wrong, slightly wrong, that you have change, isn't it? Mm.
1: Yeah. Slightly tying into that, we also got to see Isaac and Charlie's blossoming relationship this season, and that all changed at the culmination of the episode Domino. How do you feel the loss of this friendship will impact Isaac after the fact, if at all?
2: I think... For Isaac, what he would have seen and felt, well, not felt, but what he would have taken from that was he would have seen Charlie go from loathing him, I mean, literally loathing him, to forgiving him. Forgiveness is such a biological trait. And when would Isaac ever need to forgive anybody? I don't think he can be particularly offended. But I think that's probably the takeaway lesson for him, the power of forgiveness.
0: Yeah. One of the charms of Isaac's character is his ability to deliver very inappropriate dialogue in such a straightforward manner. And we saw a lot of that in the episode twice in a lifetime during your scenes with Charlie. How often do you get caught up in the humor of a scene and just break down, just lose it, start laughing?
2: Well, I mean, it's particularly difficult if I'm humanizing because I've got to keep that... Bortus. ...tight, right? Um, <laughs> and for example, in the episode where Charlie and I go down to the planet together to get the um, Dysonian, do you remember the arm wrestler in the dive bar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy was trying so hard to make me laugh. And he, <laughs> I mean, he was, he was making me crack up, but I really had to keep my... Bortus. ...together when I was filming because it's all about the contrast, but his face was, couldn't have moved more... I think, during that scene, whereas mine had to remain <laughs> utterly still. Oh, yeah, I think people definitely try to, particularly if I'm in human form, they try to make me laugh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's lots of fun happening on the set. You know, we're always having laughs. I mean, there are some, some jokers in the cast. I'm not one of them. I leave leave it to the crazy guys to do that. But thank God for them, really, because when it's three o'clock in the morning and all you want to do is cry or go to bed or drink a large glass of wine, you can't do any of those things. They're an uplift that you need.
1: Do you have a favorite part of playing, Isaac? Is there anything that surprised you by playing a synthetic being that you didn't expect when you first took the role?
2: Well, I've never played one before. Yeah, what I like about him is his, you know, he's very logical and uh i don't know i maybe i'm not that logical maybe i find it hard to to let logic rule when i'm making decisions etc etc uh so i kind of appreciate him for that that's been quite helpful and i also love his curiosity you know sometimes i have to remind myself to be more curious about the world and you know go out there and get involved with things so I, i quite like that about him yeah
0: You talked about this a little bit about what you have to do underneath the suit. And I just wanted to mention a particular scene in the episode Electric Sheep, because you are able to convey with just a walk down a corridor, such sadness as Isaac stops and looks out at the stars and everything. How is it that you're able to take those like micro movements and... Project them outward from inside the suit to where we can feel those emotions by watching it on the screen.
2: I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I <laughs> what you see when you see human Isaac. That's what I'm doing under the suit, which made it a very gentle transition when I did start playing him as a human as well. Uh, I don't know. I think it's. I think it's a, a sparsity and a it's an efficiency of movement. Perhaps it's weird because. When you see him and you think, oh, he's emoting. I mean, he isn't, is he? You know, he's, we're projecting that onto him, aren't we? Mm. And I think that's really interesting because you can say he's thinking. He does a lot of thinking, lots of pondering, contemplating. And I think, I think if you keep the performance as simple as possible, then that allows the audience to be able to project what they want to see onto him. Yeah, maybe that's it. Figured it out as I went
0: along with it. I like that.
1: (laughs) I love asking people this, but what is your hope and the impact you will leave behind by playing Isaac, that people will see the show and hopefully feel from you playing this character?
2: Yeah, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised to see how many people who identify as autistic or sort of on that kind of spectrum see themselves in Isaac. And I've had people come up to me and tell me that or message me or whatever. And I just think that's, that's really cool because I don't think that that is very represented on TV. And when it is, it's either done for comedy or, you know, and there's certainly never heroes. And I think Isaac gets to be a hero, doesn't he, in a way. And for them to, I think for anyone to be able to look at Isaac and go, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be, you know, on the outskirts of whatever society you used to belong to or are trying to belong to, I think that's enough for me, really. And that it's okay to be like that. Yeah. You can shine.
0: I think that is all the time we have, unfortunately. But it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And like I said, we were looking forward to this so much. So thank you for taking the time with us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You too, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Very nice to meet you both. You You too. Quantum Drive is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on the Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com.
1: If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com/slash support.
0: You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Play Katie Play and on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E.
0: Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode.
1: Finally, questions and comments can be sent to drive at thegeekgeneration.com.
0: We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future.
1: future.